0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Exit Podcast. This is Dr. Bennett, joined here by Zach Martin. He's an Exit member and an expert in natural language processing, which uh, is in the news these days as it's uh, going to consume and destroy... All Human Endeavors uh, this year. So uh, I wanted to have an expert to come tell us uh, how afraid to be, what kind of obeisance to prepare uh, for our new NLP overlords. So welcome to the show, Zach.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. We'll see, um, you know, who has a job after all this shakes out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about your background and like what you, uh, how you got into natural language processing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So first of all, I kind of have a non-traditional background into this. So most most guys in my world come from some type of statistical background, mathematics, or, or computer science, essentially. So I actually um, didn't know what degree I was going to get in college and started just taking classes I was interested in. So I started taking a bunch of linguistics classes. And... uh Then I got married in college and I was like, oh, no, I actually have to make money now. Right. (laughs) So I was like halfway through a linguistics degree and I'm like, well, what am I going to do with that? I'm like, I guess I go to law school or something like that's that's what a lot of people in that situation do. Um, But then I started talking to the professors and they were like, hey, NLP is the space to be. That's where you make money. And I'm like, "Okay, what's NLP? And so essentially what i learned is it's where kind of computers and human language intersect so it's natural language processing as opposed to computer language which would be like your java your c your your python those types of things are all computer languages natural languages being french english spanish etc right sure and so being able to process natural human languages uh, via computers was kind of the, the, the idea there. So I, I kind of picked up coding, um, somewhat on my own. I took a couple classes in college, but, but kind of bootstrapped my own kind of coding background and, and paired with kind of my linguistic knowledge, I, I ended up being the only one from my, uh, graduate cohort of, uh, linguistics bachelor's degrees to have a job lined up in the industry before graduation.
0: So <laughs> there's a lot of, it seems like there's a lot of jobs like that where, where it's really, it's actually really valuable to be like a, uh, a graphic design professional or, or, or a creative. If you can also talk to computers, like I know a lot of front end guys who didn't start as software developers. They started as uh, essentially artists, creatives and, uh, and were able to, Basically, they had to go learn to code so that they could do the kind of work that exists in those fields, which is all done with computers. So it's it's an interesting, uh, but but I think we're we're sort of entering this realm, or maybe maybe we are, maybe we're not. I wanted to ask you about this: Are we entering a realm with these chat bots and and natural language processing, where you like actually don't need to be able to code to do some of these work or some of this types work?
1: Well, what I'll say is a hundred percent you don't need to be um like <laughs> you don't need to be the guy that you know can can write binary code and like make computers work. Like you don't need to be a hardcore computer science guy to to actually like be successful in kind of the coding world anymore. Because part of it is not even due to these AI things, but just the fact that there's so many libraries and open source sharing of code that like you don't really need to know how to make a neural net to be able to run one on some data, if that makes sense. And and now you don't even have to know how to code it necessarily, although there is still some gap between the actual like implementation of some of these ideas, like actually getting them to function on their own versus kind of, hey, look, I did this one thing once and it kind of worked so yeah
0: yeah so i was a i was a data scientist you know so called and um basically so i i my my capstone project for my um boot camp that I was part of i did a a an n l p analysis of Game of Thrones i took all of the script from from Game of Thrones everything every word uttered on the show, and i Ran it through a essentially a black box in Python. I had no idea what that black box was actually doing, but it outputs some information about. I was basically trying to figure out, is there a, could I predict based on the words people used whether or not they were a commoner or a noble? So I had to go through and tag the data and this guy's this guy's noble, this guy's common. And uh, I am definitely not a computer science guy. I'm not going to learn binary, I'm not going to learn even really all that much python but because these libraries existed i was able to like basically you have to know how to put in the input and interpret the output and you can get a lot done
1: yeah yeah really it's it's just a matter of um kind of knowing how to set up the data to go into the black box and then how to interpret it once it comes out (laughs) yeah so so yeah and i mean that's That's what a lot of guys are doing in the data science space like there's definitely a need for those those guys with that higher level knowledge and they're definitely making you know the huge huge bucks and and doing research and that type of stuff but if you're not a phd researcher or something like that like there's a lot of stuff you can do mainly just because a lot of companies are are kind of stuck in the stone age still so so a lot of this ai stuff is is completely new um but yeah, um, speaking of capstone projects, my final project for my final NLP class um, was I I used to read news articles and I would try to skim them really quickly to find out whether or not the the news site was left leaning or right leaning in their bias because like a lot of times you'll be like ah oh, this this news site sucks <laughs> or or it's no good and right. so I would kind of skim it. And so I built a NLP algorithm that looked for certain keywords and weighted them based off of whether or not they appeared and, uh, and kind of mapped out, I I scraped a bunch of news sites and then, uh, mapped whether they were left biased or right biased. And And so you proved like, uh, any fake news stuff and, and (laughs) stuff like that.
0: So you, you proved conclusively to your professors that, uh, that the, the left wing media was out to get us, and uh, so much for the tolerant left, et cetera.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, nice. but yeah, um, th- th- a
1: a little a little more on the timeline of just my background that's somewhat relevant is uh, so like the first job I got was uh, for a company that that did surveys. So like if you ever get a receipt from McDonald's that says take a survey and win a free McDouble or whatever it is, right? or some you know hotels do it and airlines do it um so this company um did surveys and i was building the nlp models that would flag what customers are talking about in the the plain text so like are they talking about the hamburger are they talking about whether or not it tasted good or bad right and then uh so so pretty rudimentary stuff but i was using um IBM Watson, which was like an early like AI tool, and um, but yeah, subsequently I've done a lot more like in the open source and Python stuff, but but that's kind of where I, I I got my start, and and a lot of the stuff that I was doing back in the day is is kind of being revolutionized by some of the newer developments in NLP, specifically um, transformer models and or large language models which are like chat GPT or GPT four that people have been hearing about.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff that's been done. I mean, it's, and it's been going on for a really long time. Uh, my two favorite, cause I'm like a, I definitely belonged in my MBA program. Like I I'm, I'm like a business major kind of a guy at, at least like that's if I have to, if you have to put me in a marketable place, that's where I'm marketable. Um, I'm definitely not a technical guy. But what attracted me to data science was ultimately two stories. One of them was um Walmart. They uh they were selling this uh this bag of dog food and it wasn't moving. And they were doing all these uh all these analyses on all their different inventory, trying to figure out why th- and it was like better quality than the than the uh the name brand. They were trying to sell their like equate brand dog food, right? Mm-hmm and it was better quality it was it was packaged to to the right size and it was it was um and it was selling only on the weekends and it was like radically underperforming during the week and they were able through some uh some data models that they built of customer feedback to figure out that uh customers were only purchasing it when the man was at Walmart. So it was, it, it It had to be either a man or a couple. And they were like, Oh, it's cause she can't lift the bag. And so they <laughs> literally like that. That's, that's why it wasn't selling. So they downsized the bag and then it moved and they made a ton of money on this dog food. Um, and then another story, um, is, uh, is, uh, Harris, the casino. Uh-huh. They, uh, they hired this CEO who was like a, I think he was like a stats professor or so, he was some academic in stats and data science. And he basically just started hoovering up all of their user data that they could possibly collect. And these uh they were they were viewing these reward programs that they were using as like a a way to incentivize. Like it was like a discount program. Like we're going to make money because we're going to offer these discounts and we're going to retain customers, et cetera, et cetera. And he was like, no, the purpose of your rewards program is to collect user data, which that's like not even, uh, that's like a cliche now. It's everybody knows that. But at the time it was kind of revolutionary. And so Harris comes out with this, uh, this ad campaign where they've like, they're like, they've got the, the luggage carts at the hotel and they're wheeling out like a giraffe. And the whole point of this ad campaign was like, you want to, do you want a giraffe? Do you want to, you want hookers and blow? Like you tell us what you want and we'll just make it happen. Cause we've got this personalized, individualized model of who you are and what you like. And we're going to learn everything that you love and we're going to give it exactly to you. And, uh, and that actually took them from being like, this also ran like on the skids outside the strip to like one of the most successful, uh, chains in, in the city. So, uh, there's cool stuff that happens with, uh, with data science in general and NLP opens up to a lot of this like fuzzy, squishy sentiment type data.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that kind of takes me back to my experience in, uh, customer experience is what it's called in that field of like surveys and stuff. So like, previously like and and still some companies do it where they try to give you like a hundred different questions that you rate from one to ten and like everybody hates those and (laughs) and also they're not very useful so like the philosophy of one of the companies i was at was just like how about they just tell us what they want to (laughs) say right and so um so like one of them was like chick-fil-a they uh we did some study for them and found out that one of their biggest complaints was the blue cheese crumbles in one of their salads didn't come in a separate bag. So they had, like, almonds in a separate bag and apple slices in a separate bag or whatever for their salad. But the blue cheese crumbles they would just throw on top, and then a bunch of people didn't like the blue cheese but, like, couldn't remove it. And so we, like, told them And how are you going to collect
0: that from a, like, one through five... Yeah, Yeah. one through
1: five. How was your service? Are you going to recommend them again? You know, yeah. So like sometimes it's it's all about just like tell us what you want, (laughs) like to like tell us what you're thinking. Um, and uh, but yeah, a lot of fun times uh, in NLP, including uh, at one point, um, for a uh, for Little Caesars, (laughs) we had to come up with all the different types of things that could be on top of a pizza that shouldn't be there so we were like all right band-aids uh you know i don't know needles you know what else and so like that that was my task because i was it was when i was kind of new at the company and they were like just write down all the most horrible things you can think of that could happen at a little caesars so i was just <laughs> typing every swear word i knew every disgusting thing i could think of and uh yeah that's what a that, job yeah it was a fun job um <laughs>
0: But yeah. um, And like on the, on the, on the micro level, when you're like looking at it right up close, it's like, Oh, it's great. that Chick-fil-A is going to take the blue cheese out of my, and it's great that my wife can lift the dog food bag. And it's great that, you know, maybe Harris knows that I'm LDS. So they're not going to be giving me discounts on alcohol. They're going to give me discounts on meals or whatever it is. Like, Close up, you can see this like very uncontroversial, uncomplicated good reason to do this, uh huh. And then you pan back, and it's like Lovecraftian existential horror. Well, you know, <laughs> a good they know everything of about you.
1: Is companies like through your like cookies and your ad persona, they can tell pretty well whether or not you're pregnant, like, yeah, based off of your 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 history, but like. Some people might want that private, right? So, or like, they can tell if you've gotten, you're going to get divorced (laughs) and stuff like that, you know, yeah. like some companies, I I heard it was like some bank was like, hey, are you thinking of getting divorced? Here's private accounts. (laughs) Like, and they think "We're, we're helping this customer by, by knowing their persona. But like, yeah, there's definitely like a dark side to it. And, and I mean. Data privacy is something people care about a little bit now, but like, yeah, for a while there, nobody was even thinking about it.
0: Well, and there's even like info hazards. Like I don't necessarily want to know that I have, you know, three years to live, or I don't necessarily want to know that like, or like, you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a way to tell me that I'm about to get divorced that, that, that helps me. But that way probably isn't like, hey let's facilitate the transaction of your divorce as right. uh, as as quickly and directly as possible,
1: well, and what's funny is talking to some of these like marketing people they they can't even comprehend that like a customer might not want you to know certain things <laughs> like like the the creep factor they don't even think of it,
0: yeah, yeah, and I mean you know it, it, obviously on google there's there's like the question of porn but like there's just there's so many other dimensions to that like privacy question and like yeah well and like
1: um you know a few years ago well like people are always like oh i talked about this thing and it showed up in my facebook feed or whatever and it's like yeah they said they were doing that they were turning on the microphone <laughs> if you download face the facebook app on your phone they have permission to your microphone and they are listening and using it for for ads so like yeah it's not fake they said they were doing it you know
0: and like you you have to like and it's an interesting situation because on the one hand like ideologically my my opinion is basically that there's not a whole lot of conspiracy there's a lot of like essentially automated human behavior going on like just it's just people responding to pings the 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 analyst gets an email and that's why they have to build the thing. And the person who sent the email, they, they heard from the VP and the VP heard it from the CEO and CEO heard it from the shareholders and the shareholders are this like big blob of cognition that doesn't have like a, a human will attached to it. And so like you're sort of on the one hand, you're counting on these systems to be kind of dumb and maybe they are like Facebook. Mm-hmm. Does Facebook have like a nefarious big picture like uh, doomsday scenario that they're trying to instantiate? Sell
1: You those Chinese leggings or something?
0: Yeah, or are they just trying to sell you leggings? Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. Like and 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 so far, it seems like the answer is basically that there is no conspiracy, and it's ju- but it, it's at the same time in the service of selling you leggings or selling you. Uh, uh, a hotel room at a casino or selling you salads at Chick-fil-A. They're building this edifice that is, is just so incredibly dangerous.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, uh, I mean, they, there's definitely some nefarious parts of it. Like they tested just showing people the, like today is the day to vote. Like just putting that on the top of Facebook, like, changed voting patterns by like a substantial amount, like election change. Yeah. Just being and like, who do you, and which, way, vote which today. voters
0: do you send that to? You know?
1: Right. And, and we found out like they obviously had a bias after like 2016 and stuff. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah, man. It's crazy. Well, so what do you think about kind of the, uh the sort of like, are there are there like buggy whip industries right now that are just gonna be eaten by this technology? <sighs> um
1: so like we are talking about like chat GPT and stuff like that. Or just yeah. AI in general?
0: Well, maybe let's start with AI in general and then specifically ch chat GPT.
1: Yeah, so I mean honestly, I think it's stuff that was already being outsourced and automated that's gonna continue disappearing so
0: so they're replacing indians and filipinos you mean
1: yeah yeah (laughs) so basically that's it like like call centers are going to be you know it's at a certain point um that ai bot that's like tell me how i can help you is going to be much more helpful than you know going through someone who barely speaks english and
0: it's already close yeah it's, it's already, already close. close. It's gonna
1: get even even better, right? And cheaper for for companies to do that. So, I mean, because essentially all the like any tier one tech support, right, is just like we're just here to press the button that routes you to the right place. So, <laughs> like anything that's like that is is essentially um, going away. Um, there's definitely like jobs. And I mean, those who, who have worked in, in kind of the tech side of things, there's certain jobs that are like, um, like nobody wants to do. And those types of things are going to get automated away. So like, I, I honestly think like more of your like data wrangling where like your job is just to like say, uh, we need to get this table and that table and put them together like that is not probably the safest place to be in in the coding space right
0: and nobody loves to be there anyway
1: although although um having worked in like regulated industries and and stuff like that there there's gonna be regulations to come out around ai stuff and also like you know uh, i've worked at like banks and stuff and you can't just be like oh well we missed a record on accident right (laughs) right so like to a certain extent there's always going to be kind of that manual backup check even if it's automated with ai so to a certain extent there may be like a resurgent of like you're just the guy who checks the ai and makes sure it does a good job you know yeah
0: and i mean like in in uh in defense, if you have a security clearance, I mean they're never throwing those AI algorithms over the wall. Like that's just never. I mean that they won't even half those half those shops won't even use Tableau. Like it's it's got to be like Excel, and it's got to be like Excel nineteen ninety seven, not right. Excel two thousand three. Uh, no, one hundred
1: percent. Like like definitely government is behind. Like pharmaceutical industry is still using stuff from the seventies. Like, and that's that's the thing is like if you are interested in getting into coding i don't think you have to worry about it like within the next five years by any means and probably not within the next like 25 years because there's there's so much out there and there's so many different businesses and and really the only companies that are really making use of these ai algorithms and and a lot of them are not even doing a good job of it um are are like your silicon valley tech companies so like yeah you know, um, they're, they're way past kind of the baseline of, of coding and stuff like that. But, but there's so many big companies, old companies, um, and even startups that just like need, you know, we just need a model that predicts fraud. That's it. <laughs> like, so, so if you can yeah. do that, like you're, you're way ahead of, of a lot of other people.
0: And so I take it, you're not like a Kurzweil guy. You're not like uh this is, this is going to eat everything it's gonna it's gonna start accelerating its own development
1: i i don't i'm like i don't care about like you know is are we just part of an ai and uh, you know i don't know. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I don't really think about that type of stuff that often so like you know maybe uh but but just kind of being behind the scenes of this stuff and like knowing how like chat GPT works and stuff it's so not scary it's very like lame in how it works and so we've got a lot like a long way to go like to get any of this to the point where it's like you know gonna really disrupt the entire economy now that being said it's like like, it's like because
0: they'll talk about like oh it's it's indistinguishable from like a new york times journalist and i'm like yeah but that's because those people aren't human they're robots Right, right. So it's like, nothing about actual like human creativity.
1: Well, well yeah, and it's mimicking, right? So so it's it's been trained on on a training set that includes all of the New York Times. So it can sound like a New York Times person pretty well. But yeah, right. you're you're not getting like any original thought out of it. But like, you know what it will replace is like BuzzFeed listicles. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you don't need, you know, to pay someone, you know, 45 grand a year to like write those stupid headlines or whatever. Cause, cause, cause yeah. So, so like stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe you need to worry about your job, but, but I think for a lot of things, um, we're, we're way far away from that.
0: There was some guy who, did you see this guy who started a business with chat GPT? I've he seen said, a lot
1: of those guys saying that. Oh, <laughs> so okay. There's a thread. Which, which one?
0: Well, and, and I mean, to some extent, he's relying on the virality of the story so yeah. it's like, you know, it's not really legit, but like basically he asked ChatGPT like, hey, what's the best way to turn this $100 into an effective business? And ChatGPT says, you should start a business in green uh, gadgets, green like household gadgets. That's a really good market. You should pick that. So he asks it like, what should my domain name be? And it's like, well, here's a couple of suggestions. He picks one. He goes and buys like Green Gadget Guru, and he puts it on there, and he starts just posting like affiliate links to, uh, to like Amazon for, mm-hmm. you know, thematic gadgets, and part of like part of the reason that he he, he turned it into like fifteen hundred bucks in like a week, so thousand or hundred hundred bucks to fifteen hundred bucks, that's pretty good, but um, to some extent like I'm sure that he was driving traffic by saying, look at this neat application of AI and that's, you know, and then Google sees that it's getting traffic and it sends it more traffic. And so there's, it's, it's a little bit fake, but I, it makes me think about like, man, if we're, if we're no longer limited by the number of like content monkeys mm-hmm. and we can just ju- like just endless trash, like the amount of just, <laughs> just horrendous yeah. useless internet there's going to be can't even imagine
1: yeah it, it's definitely going to increase the amount like whenever like i was looking to buy like a vacuum cleaner and you're like this vacuum cleaner review you know try to check a youtube review they're all like right. ai generated now like all the top 10 results and I, i'm like i just want to see someone using the vacuum cleaner <laughs> and it's all just like we just grabbed the top five pictures from google and then had a uh, text uh, to voice, read it out for us. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: which then I mean that muddies the water for algorithms that are based on that kind of feedback data, right? Like, yep. there's going to be this thing's going to backwash on itself in a lot of ways, especially because it's not one. It's not one AI doing it. It's like a bunch of AIs that you know, maybe <laughs> They're all theoretically creating
1: content for each other
0: right 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 because if it was one then you could just be like hey did you write that review okay exclude that from your training set but can't do that <laughs> yeah so.
1: yeah it's it's um like it, it's kind of bleak when you think of that type of stuff although i mean to a certain extent you know i don't know the the, the problem is like what people don't really get about chat gpt is the recommendations or the answers it gives are not necessarily supposed to be accurate they're just supposed to sound accurate right (laughs) so like if you say give me give me the best uh domain name for this idea it will give you a domain name it doesn't know if it's the best it has no clue it's the
0: best it It hasn't it's not like running a model on like oh which of these has the best it's not doing any kind of modeling or data science of its own
1: no 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 so yeah so like and and uh, the way like because they framed it as a chatbot, which maybe I can get into like the history of that. Because they framed it as a chatbot, people interact with it as if it's like this intelligent bot. But what mm. it is, all it is, is it takes your prompt, so what you type, and it tries to match an output to that to what you typed as best as possible. So yeah. whatever you write, it's going to try to match that as best as it can from it what it's been trained on. But it it has no clue whether or not any of it's accurate. Now I I've, I've seen they've 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 done some fine tuning on the newest version, so GPT four, that's supposed to like, you know, be a little bit more accurate. But it still kind of has the same problems.
0: Oh yes yeah, so so do go into the history of it. Tell me about yeah like, yeah. How they, so
1: uh... so part of this is is NLP kind of goes back to like the earliest days of computing, like back in like. The 60s people were like, let's train a bot to talk, you know, and they like IBM's, like, we got it speaking, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, and it's always been a thing where, like, you know, they've had, you know, HAL 9000 and, you know, in, in sci fi, <laughs> right. they've wanted some kind of chat bot. That's, that's been a thing. Um, I built a chat bot, uh, before this technology was out. And essentially what you're, all you're doing is like, uh, looking for keywords and strings uh, and then trying to match that with a with an output that would be useful. And so sometimes you have certain like targets that you're trying to get people towards and you're you're kind of building like a video game, you know, like a choose your adventure video game. That's just a little bit more advanced. Right. Um. But with kind of the onset of machine learning and, and kind of the advancements in machine learning that kind of took place probably within like the last 15 years. They've started, uh, you know, training stuff using machine learning. So, like, your, your Google Assistant, your Siri, and your Alexa, they started coming out using these more advanced machine learning models. Um, so, um, one of the issues, though, is um, if you're not just matching words to, like, certain responses, right? So, you're like, if they say this word, we'll give them this response. Um, it's kind of hard to work with text data because it's not numerical. So, so machine learning in general requires numbers. So you have to give it some numbers. So for instance, like a classic machine learning problem is like they, they took measurements of three different flower species, right? So they measured the stem length, the petal width, the the sepal length and stuff like that. And there's three different species they know in real life. And you can use a machine learning algorithm to look at all those different measurements of the various, like hundreds of different flowers of each species. And then you can try to like place them in what, which species is there without actually knowing the answer ahead of time. If that makes yeah, sense.
0: I've, I've actually used some of those apps. They're, they're, they're pretty good. Like they're, they're pretty effective at, at correctly IDing. Uh, we made some jam in our yard out of some berries that we collected that we were uh, unsure what they were but i was able to use like a couple separate apps to mm. identify the yeah. berries and they're like oh yeah that's that's autumn olives you can eat those and i i said thank you computer i'm going to feed these to my kids yeah so that's probably some type <laughs> of image
1: image based thing right so you take a picture and it'll search for it yeah 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 so um so yeah and like that's another thing is pictures technically are hard to work with right cuz cuz you can't just say here's a picture do math on it Right. But yeah, um, like it has
0: to find the outline of the flower and, and recognize that it's a flower. And, and yeah, then it's so gotta, we, like, it's got to start from like, is it a flower? And then be like, Oh, it's this kind of flower, which is, that's tricky because their shapes are so different. So it has to recognize the the general case and then narrow down to the specific case.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can also do it on birds really easily too. <laughs> something i found out (laughs) take picture of a bird it'll tell you the exact species um but yeah so 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 text and image are kind of related in that because they're considered uh, what's considered unstructured data so structured data being like percent and people
0: intuitively understand that those are magical like when they see a computer work with text and image they're very impressed
1: yes yes and and because that's like you know closer to your human senses right and um so so text and images have a lot of the same challenges so for images the way they turn an image into numbers is they just make a grid and number every pixel right and they say okay pixel one what color is it right it's this color pixel two it's this color and they just do that for however many pixels are in the image right um and then they'll use neural nets to kind of uh, look at the image from different uh, z- you could say like zooms <laughs> and like different levels of fidelity and it tries to to kind of predict what that image is using those neural nets and you, and you kind of train it on a data set that has every single flower every single bird you know labeled with what they are and then the picture from a bunch it.
0: of different angles and mm-hmm. um yeah and so does it... sim- yeah go ahead does it I mean, that seems like that's got to be really compute heavy. Like it's got to take a lot of resources. So is there, how much of this is, because people, people have been posting the the Moore's law graph, right? The wow. it's like double exponential. It's, it's, it's a, it's an exponential function on a log scale and um, of, of these resources that are going up. And I wanted to get your take on like, do you think it's, dramatically being opened up by the availability of new compute resources or are we just finding new techniques to to look at the data
1: yeah i would say um it's kind of a combination so 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 some of these techniques go back to like the 80s like they were discovered in the 80s and they just didn't have enough compute to really make use of them right so so some of these models so for instance in in text analytics um a popular model is a is a specific type of recurrent neural network called an LSTM which stands for long short-term memory. So I believe that was like described and discovered in the 80s. Um and and it really didn't come to prominence though until maybe like 2010 2012ish when people kind of realized oh we have enough Data, number one, so like training data, meaning enough text, like a large enough corpus of text to run through this model, to train it, to get to know the patterns. And then um, also enough like compute to actually keep track of all those weights of every single word in the English language and things like that, or sometimes multiple languages. And um, and yeah, so so some of it was unlocked by the the advancements in compute, Um and what you're kind of seeing, the differences between, like, GPT-2, GPT-3, chat GPT, and GPT-4 are just, they're they're making them bigger. So they're just mm. computing more. So they haven't really changed, like, the architecture much. Although with GPT-4, I think they did. Um, but they're just throwing more data at it. And as mm. it gets more data, it kind of just gets smarter just by having seen more stuff, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And like my intuition and I'm, I'm a, I'm definitely a novice, but like my intuition is that like you're saying, these are kind of boring when you look behind the curtain. It's like, it's just sort of like lots and lots and lots and lots of regression models Uh um, with lots and lots of variables stitched together and, and washed through, you know, over and over again. And if you're a certain type of like rationalist materialist, you you sort of say like, well, that's human cognition is as simple as that. And, uh, and therefore this thing will inevitably, um, approach and surpass us in terms of its, uh, its cognitive sophistication. But I, I don't, it's, it's not obvious to me that that's what's happening. Like it, it seems I'm like, I'm like, given, given how much data is being churned and the, 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 the scale of the resources that are being deployed, I'm like, this thing clearly is like faster in a certain sense than a human brain. Like it's, it's, it's got more resources.
1: Right. Like it doesn't forget stuff.
0: Right. And yet the results are, are not. Not especially close to genuine human cognition.
1: Or at least not as impressive as uh, on a creative level for sure. Um, right. Yeah, and and so I mean diving into that, like going back to my linguistics education, um, there's there's a faction in linguistics that, that are called the generativists, which are led by Noam Chomsky. This is what he's famous for. He said he came up in like the 60s or 70s and said, human brain is like a computer. So, and, but for him, it was like a 70s computer, which meant um, data storage was very expensive. You know, these things were running on kilobytes of data at most, right? And um, so he's like, we don't have the capacity in our brain to keep track of every time we heard a word, Right. So we just have this like engine, this, this kind of like script in our brain, uh, this universal grammar is what he called it. And, and we um, just process thoughts through that universal grammar. And that's how we make speech. So we actually don't store any words in our brain. We've just got this universal grammar embedded in there. Now, that's all well and good. It's more of a philosophical point because if you like look at the human brain, there's nothing in there. There's not a universal grammar. There's no hidden little script in your brain that's doing that stuff. Also there's a few problems um because he kind of based his research off of like knowing a few romance languages as opposed to knowing like all the various weird uh indigenous languages like Hishkariana and stuff like that that totally (laughs) break all these rules. Yeah. Um we can talk about that some other time but uh, but basically um yeah it was more of a philosophical point and and not really real now where I studied at BYU there's actually some professors who were doing some work saying well what if our brain just kind of retains as best as to its ability every time it's heard a word and so like every utterance it's it's heard every word it's read you kind of retain that in your head and and you learn associations through patterns and and linkages in your brain so like you may not know the exact definition of a word but you've heard it in certain contexts so much that you kind of understand what the word means and and also it explains why like your accent doesn't change after a certain point right so like if you're an american and you go live in scotland at at 35 you're not going to start speaking with a scottish accent necessarily except maybe on like words you've never heard before Mm. right but if you're a kid you've heard less words and you if you move your accent may change right and so whereas like there's not really an explanation for that under chomsky's model but um anyway so so that's kind of what has taken place with um with uh nlp in recent years so basically around like 2012 they came up with uh this thing called uh word to vec or word vectors right and they said uh instead of like so so previously the way they turned words into numbers was they would say all right the first word we see is going to be word number one so it's going to be number one that's how we're going to represent it and so, like, they kind of did machine learning by saying, okay, this sentence has word one, word 64, word 307. So that means it might be meaning this, right? And it was able to do, like, some machine learning that way. There's a few other ways that they tried to do it, um, like one-hot encoding and other, other ways of encoding words. in, in But that doesn't words.
0: establish linkages between the words.
1: Correct, because they're just arbitrary meanings. So, like... You don't re- retain the semantic information, so like the actual meanings of the words, or whether it's related to another word, or whatever. So, but with with word vectors, what happened was they said, okay, let's um, represent these words in a vector space. Now that that's like a math thing that might make sense if you're doing like multi-dimensional. Yes, one. Okay,
0: so so one dimension is a number line. Two right. dimensions is your X and Y chart. Nobody's gonna see this video. But yeah, two dimensions is <laughs> an X and Y chart. Three dimensions is that same chart in in three D. So you've got three, you got height width, directions, the, yeah, you so, can, so the way right. I
1: explain it is, is you're giving the word an address, right? Yeah. So so the address, for instance, like if you're in downtown New York and you want to tell someone where to meet you, you have to tell them, okay. Meet me on this street that crosses with this street, so that's your your two dimensions right and and then meet me on the thirtieth floor. that's your three dimensions right so now they know mm. where to meet you now. there are other dimensions such as like time in in reality that adds a fourth dimension in in this word vectorization they're adding sometimes over a thousand different dimensions to these words and they're they're essentially trained through the neural network but all it's doing is it's trying to place the word in a in a space that that is mathematically representable though hard to imagine once you get above 3 or 4 dimensions for the human planet. right right so but what ends up happening is they found out okay if we put the word king in um in in you know we we train it and we find out what its vectors are exactly so we place it in an address it ends up being closer to the word man than it is to the word woman, right?
0: Mm.
1: And then uh, what they also found out is that the distance between man and king was the same as the distance between woman and queen, right? So these relationships right. also were preserved. And, and and so what ended up happening is through this very like simple process that's actually not super computationally heavy compared to other things they were doing, um, they were able to like retain information about words based on how it was trained. So so like I said, that came out in like twenty twelve. The next few years were spent um some some of the bigger companies like Google said, Well, what if we just take all of Wikipedia and pre train a model on everything in Wikipedia? Right? Mm-hmm. And then they said, what if we get more than that, right? And so that, they came out with these models called like GloVe and like other models that that essentially were like, we're going to pre-train on the English language. So you're just going to have like, it's already going to know what every word means before you even boot it up, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so that was kind of the start of these large language models, which is what uh, GPT is one of them. Um, but then what? En- they kind of just kept making them bigger and bigger. But then 2017, um, Google releases a paper called Attention is All You Need. Uh, and you can go look up the paper if you're interested. But basically they said, we're going to use this thing in machine learning called the attention mechanism. That essentially just allows these models, instead of using what they were using before, which were these LSTMs, long short-term memory um it's able to pay attention to larger contexts of words that rather than lstms kind of worked like a snowplow where they had no clue what was in front of them so like that's just like virgin snow they have never seen it before and then uh what trails off behind them starts like getting more snow on it and starts covering up again so it, it kind of forgets uh so it it can only remember like a certain window of of words And that's kind of how LSTMs work. And then, um, but this attention mechanism allowed it to pay attention to what's in front, what's behind, and kind of what was three paragraphs ago. So that's why, like, when you do your predictive text on your phone, it's based off of these older models, and it starts looping around because it forgets that it's already said something,
0: right? Right, right. And
1: then, uh, but this, this attention mechanism, once again, it's a very, like, simple thing, but they just kind of figured out a way to do it <laughs> and um and what it allows for is it can pay attention to this context and it actually does better at things like machine translation because it doesn't really care about word order as much hmm. and uh so so these these models came out and they they were called transformer models so the t in gpt stands for transformer um and what are the they What's that? What are the G and the P? Um, they are generative pre-trained uh, ah. transformer model. So okay. generative, because it's kind of intended to generate text, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And then pre-trained, like it's a large pre-trained language model. Um, And so yeah, that's what, uh, so like GPT came out, then quickly GPT-2 came out. That was like in 2019. And then GPT, no, GPT-3 came out in 2019. And uh so I knew about it back then and I was like this is really cool this is cool stuff it can do cool stuff I got access to the API I was like playing with it Then you know last what was it like last summer or something they were like hey we're coming out with g- chat gpt Now what that was was the the model released that was released in 2019 but packaged as a chatbot for g- the general public to use without an API token access if that makes sense yeah right so so this like big trendy thing that came out last year was actually like a few years old and they just came out with an interface for it that's all it was
0: ah so yeah and that's been kind of my intuition as i've as i've talked to chat gpt and as i've seen its output it's it's kind of like it's not necessarily that there's been this quantum leap in what ai can do Mm -hmm. it's more just that like lots of us who don't know how to code are getting to access some of those tools yeah 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 which that seems to me like a pretty good thing
1: yeah and and gpt2 for instance like is like a dumber version of it that's fully open source that you can just use however you want um but yeah so chat gpt is just GPT-3 with a nice little wrapper around it for the layperson to use, um, which is why also like when people use it, like I said, like they're trying to treat it like a bot, and they're like, "Hey Alexa, what's the weather today?" <laughs> or whatever. But wh- how you should really treat it is, you're giving it an input, and you want to get the the output based on what you tell it. So like some people in in a chat we were in, they were complaining like well, it writes uh, dumb, like it doesn't write at a very high level. And I'm like, well, did you tell it to write at an academic level? <laughs> and they're like, no, I just said, explain to me what Bigfoot is or whatever, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and but you have to tell it what style you want it to write in. If you want it to sound like an author, you can say, hey, can you sound like this author?
0: It's can- great at that. It's great. at Yeah, that.
1: yeah. It's great at mimicking styles and, and things like that. So so kind of like trying to learn how to use it you kind of have to not think of it as a chatbot you have to think of it as like okay I'm giving it an input and I want a specific output so how do I get that output
0: Yeah yeah do you see a uh, a future for like the prompt engineer do you think that that's a a valuable skill set to learn Yeah I've
1: seen they're like paying like 2 to 300,000 for prompt writers now <laughs> and I think that could be a real job that happens, um, though it, it seems like a meme at the current moment. Like, I wouldn't yeah. put all my eggs in that basket, but but I I do think if you um, are at some kind of company and if you spent some time, like, figuring out how to write prompts and then told, you know, higher-ups at your company, hey, I'm a good prompt writer, it might work <laughs> out well for you, you know?
0: Yeah, you'd you'd probably just have to show them some outputs, right? Like I I told it to do this, and it did this, and mm-hmm. and and yeah, I'm I,
1: actually thinking of running a uh, prompt writing like like webinar as as part yeah, of
0: my thing. I would attend your prompt writing webinar. I think that's because uh, I I have sort of some vague intuitions about how this thing could be used, but I uh, I haven't been able to. I haven't been able to make it do exactly what I want. And I can tell that I'm missing something about the architecture. Like I'm not catching Mm -hmm. what it's designed to do because I've seen it do some pretty extraordinary things. Um, And I, I I wonder if, so if somebody is coming out of college, right. And they're like, I want to, this AI stuff is cool.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Would you actually, At this stage of the game, with the tools as they currently exist, would you actually tell someone, hey, linguistics is a pretty valuable thing to understand?
1: Yes. Um, I'm very pro linguistics, but (laughs) that may be uh, my own bias. But like, I mean, like, you know,
0: obviously, like, I think econ's cool, but I would never tell someone to major in economics.
1: Right, right. So I was actually talking to my little nephew who just got accepted to BYU. And and so he was, like, asking me about AI stuff, and, and I was talking to him about exactly this. Like, if I had to do it again, I would have majored in linguistics and minored in computer science just mm. to get more of that code credentials behind me. Um, But... um. That being said, there's very few. There, I don't think there's any colleges that offer NLP as a as an undergrad focus. Mm. Um, BYU being one of the only schools I know of that even has NLP courses in their undergrad program for linguistics. So most schools where you're learning linguistics, you're just going to learn Chomsky philosophy, uh. and it's a you know it's a bachelor of arts that you're getting. Right. Um, but just due to the fact that BYU is like very anti-Chomsky for some reason, all the professors well, there hate Chomsky. I, I
0: actually, I mean, so maybe we can we can talk about this a little bit. Um, I I actually, you know, despite all of the sort of press around BYU and 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 some of these professors who suck really bad, uh huh. Like most of the programs that I've been involved in or seen firsthand. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're lived because it's academia, but even, even to the granular level of like, are we about Chomsky or not? They're surprisingly like clear headed and, and like, because what you're saying about what you're saying about their approach to linguistics and like, Hey, let's teach people some actual freaking marketable skills that are deployable around this subject. Uh, Econ was the same way. And like, so actually if if I could make every employer understand what you learn at the BYU economics department, I think that would be a really marketable thing. The problem is it's, it's called an economics degree, which at most schools is basically just like the communist manifesto, like literally. right? And, and, and so, uh, because we did, we did regression analysis. We did, we did like lots of data work. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of a proto data science degree and, that was that, honestly, that was like kind of what made me think that was my first f- jaunt into like, Oh, these are business questions. These are like technical questions. These are empirical questions that I actually find interesting. And I could actually, you know, build a career around this. I wouldn't want to, you know, neck myself all the time. And, and I think, uh, so, so yeah, I, I, that's sort of, you saying that about the linguistics program makes you actually makes me kind of affectionate for our uh, our shared alma mater a little bit yeah yeah well
1: it, it was a very unique place for linguistics like i said and i kind of stumbled into it just trying to be lazy in school so um but yeah so so this is and maybe this is a good transition but this is uh part of the reason why i'm i've started shaolin ai is for undergrad um you can't take a data science undergrad even though there's a million jobs for it right you can't do a data analytics undergrad there's there's a computer science degree where you may do that in one or two classes but you're going to spend you know 50% of your time learning C which you don't need to know if you're going to be a python coder or an r coder right <laughs> like right. you don't need right. to know like base machine code and stuff like and like the theory behind computational stuff like if you're just going to be running packages like who cares
0: yeah, the curriculum so, is definitely built around the the tastes of like nerds of a certain flavor.
1: Right. And it, it's very academic in its nature. So you're, you're learning like academically, why is this important when really you're trying to get a job as a data scientist? Why are you wasting time learning a skill that you're never going to use, right? Now, if you're right. going to be a software engineer, yeah, you need to do the computer science degree. But We've got these this whole new class of jobs, not to even mention the AI class of jobs. That's like one step beyond data science, right? Um that like you can't even get an education on in a, in your undergrad if you want it. Now there are plenty of like masters programs and things like that around, but you know, you'd have to sit through four years, then go pay another however many millions of dollars to get your, your masters and NLP or data science and once again even there a lot of those programs are very academic and research focused and not really trying to get you to get a job in the industry so like that's a problem like we'll we'll look to get PhD level people on our teams and it's like it's like um you know they come out and they they have no business sense they have no clue what we're trying to do and they're just like well this is an interesting thing I could write a paper on it's like well we're not writing papers, you know. <laughs> so like um yeah, th- there's kind of this whole disconnect between the the pedagogy of of uh, universities and the actual jobs that are out there that are like fun, good paying jobs. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's and, and so to to introduce that a little bit, you uh you came to exit with this concept for a boot camp, because you you run boot camps professionally, right? You uh, you facilitate uh, some boot camps, so you know how the curriculum runs. And and you and I have compared notes on what your boot camps that you teach are like, and what the boot camps I attended were like. And it's they're all the same. It's it's yeah. there's a, there's a very clear, very well defined set of things that every da- data science program needs you to understand. And it's basically like a couple of weeks of basic stats, a couple of weeks of, uh, of Python and a couple of weeks of let's bring the stats and the Python together. And then you do a capstone project. And so you had the, the idea of let's, let's jump into that environment with, because these are, these are not, uh, there's not like one solution to this. There's like, it's like mowing lawns. Like you're not going to run out of, uh, of lawn care businesses. Cause you need to have people to babysit the coders to babysit the learners. Right. So this is a, this is a business model where, you know, even though you've heard of a million different data science boot camps, there's not enough data science boot camps because, because you, you, it's, it does, it doesn't scale up. It doesn't universalize.
1: Yeah. And, um, yeah. So so a few years ago, I started teaching boot camps, right? So I'm teaching people how to code in Python and trying to get them maybe a data analyst job. If they have some type of degree, maybe a data science job, right? Um, or if they're just super with it, you know, and, and I've seen a, a bunch of success from it, even though like the curriculum I was going through was sometimes frustrating in its quality, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was sitting there and I was like, um, but, but then also I, I kind of was at a different job at the time and I had this, this kind of existential dread of going to work in the mornings. But then I was teaching a, uh, boot camp at night and I was, I looked forward to it every night. It was fun. I enjoyed it. And so, and turns out I'm kind of good at, at teaching, I guess. Um, so, so yeah. So, um, and and kind of where the idea sprung from initially was just how much I found out how much they were charging the students and then how much I was getting paid <laughs> to teach the boot camp, which was like one and a half students worth. Right. And you were teaching so, like 30. And I was teaching like 30. Yeah. So I'm like, right. well, if I just get like half of this, like I'm I'm good to go. And so. So, so, so yeah. So I came up with the idea. The business name is, is Shaolin AI. You can visit the website. It's Shaolin.ai. Um, named after the Shaolin monastery or the Shaolin monks, because I did Shaolin Kung Fu growing up and I think it's cool. Nice. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but yeah, also there's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's about training. It's about all that stuff. Discipline. And, um,
0: courage. What,
1: courage. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> And so anyway, um I came up with the idea that, hey um you know, I could make a much better curriculum that's even more relevant to to actual jobs and and you know, I have my a i credentials and specialty, and also there was a lot of guys in exit who have similar credentials or or maybe slightly divergent ones, but who kind of are interested in in getting either a side income or or branching out a little bit and i was so so we've kind of put together a whole team from uh from exit and elsewhere of people that are uh contributing to the the development of the the boot camp curriculum and kind of the behind the scenes side of things to make sure we have like jobs lined up for for graduates and things like that so, it's kind of been a really cool project and a really cool aspect aspect of exit where like all these guys have come together just to help me out, and currently you know we're we're not making any money, but um yeah, people are are just helping out because they're interested in the project or potentially down the line, you know it it will come back to them where they'll have an opportunity to to t a or teach at the boot camp, and it's been a really cool process, <laughs> so yeah, awesome.
0: So we, yeah, so we've got from the group, you've you've pulled play testers, you've pulled some people to talk to you about the business side, the marketing side, and you've pulled people who are maybe either helping you develop the data science and NLP curriculum, or maybe, do you have you working on any other curricula at the point, or are, are they focused on the data science and, and NLP? We
1: are. Um, so the plan right now is we're trying to launch the the data science curriculum next month is when we're looking to go live by the end of the month and nice. um, and so that's where the major focus has been, but we've also got a bunch of like web guys and and other guys and and kind of the idea is we're trying to say, you know there's a lot of boot camps that can teach you how to do other skills, but like what will get you a job now, and what's relevant to now, especially in kind of this a i landscape and stuff like that so so including additional stuff, so we have started working on additional boot camps, so like crypto and and um uh web development and and things like that so so those will be coming shortly but but we're kind of focusing on the the first one first because that will kind of get us out of the gate without complicating yeah things.
0: well and i think that there's something to be said for as as these tools become more sophisticated and i'm not even not even necessarily talking about gpt but just like the availability of some of these libraries to you know uh you're technically sophisticated but you're not a computer science guy you're a you're a word cell right Mm -hmm. like myself yeah and and i think genuinely one of one of the things that that these tools open up is the ability for people like you who have like a guy like you and a guy like me 30 years ago we would have had like the pedagogical gift to Mm -hmm. explain uh This material, but we wouldn't actually understand it (laughs) because it would be, you know, you'd have to be kind of a computer science guy to to follow along. And And I think computer science uh,
1: guys have no ability to communicate.
0: None, none whatsoever. And so, and so creating by, by just shortening that gap and allowing you guys like you guys like me to jump across it. I think it facilitates uh, just a whole universe of of transactions that, uh, that that produce a lot of value. So that's that's really exciting, man. Can you tell me a little bit about how uh, how you used the group? Because, like, we didn't have, at the time, like a protocol to hand you for, like, hey, this is how you find your partners and this is how you get started. So can you tell me about that process?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's been kind of a learning process because, you know, I'm not necessarily... Um you know, a hardcore, um, entrepreneur in any sense, you know, I've just been a W2 guy my whole life, you know? So, so a lot of this stuff was a learning curve for me, but, um, what was cool is we kind of just described the goal and, and, um, some people just showed up from that. (laughs) And so people who were interested in the, in this, the goal and, um, and they've been super helpful and and you know I've gotten to know a lot of guys in the group much better through this process but then also um kind of uh as we hit roadblocks or um gaps in our knowledge base of what we had we'd kind of throw it out to the the different specialties and there's enough people in exit that you know someone knows something about something <laughs> so um yeah yeah. So, yeah, so when I didn't know how to start an LLC, it turns out a couple guys had, a, like, a bunch of things for, for doing that. So, like, the business side has been kind of cool. And then, then like, working on the technical side, it turns out we have some, some other, like, really cool AI NLP heavy hitters <laughs> in the group that have yeah. stepped up to uh, offer advice.
0: And Some really um, impressive technical guys for sure.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to name drop or whatever, but yeah, they're, they're up there. (laughs) Um, So, uh, so yeah, it's, it, it's been really cool just to see who shows up. Uh, Some of the challenges has, have just been, you know, being in this remote uh, group. How do you like keep the communication lines open? How do you make sure everybody knows what's expected of them and what's not expected of them and, and stuff like that. But, but we've kind of been figuring out we've kind of settled into like a core team now i feel like and um and and i'm hoping that that this uh project will will eventually also give back to either the guys who join exit who are interested in getting coding skills like they can come to a exit approved coding yeah. camp yeah absolutely or, um you know and also just uh you know potentially getting guys hired as TAs so they they can get experience in the industry. So like they have like a company with AI in the name on their resume and they can go right. from there and, 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 and get out there. So, so yeah, it's been cool.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you, uh, you coming to talk about it. And, uh, so you guys, it's, it, we're going to release it next month though. So Shaolin.ai, uh, it, the site's up. But, yeah, the, the uh, site's but the up. Curriculum. You can
1: sign up right now. Um, if you have more questions, basically just go to the the website, sign up, and and we'll go over it. There's uh, the schedule is essentially three days a week um, outside of normal working hours, so you keep your day job if you want <laughs> while you <laughs> while you uh, learn how to code. Essentially, it, it's designed for beginners, um, but also if you have maybe intermediate skills and you're looking to maybe add kind of the machine learning and AI to your portfolio, it would be worth it. Um, and uh, it's a six month bootcamp. So after six months, you should, you'll essentially have like a really fully fledged GitHub that can be used as your portfolio for getting a new job. And and uh, we're, we're new, but I've been teaching bootcamps for a while. And um, we've had a lot of success stories of, of students that I've taught that have, you know, I had one guy who was a warehouse worker, you know, stuff in boxes with stuff. And now he's, he's working as a data analyst at, at a, at a tech company, making a lot more money than he was. (laughs) And we've got a a bunch of stories like that. So.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's really exciting, man. Like, I love to see these kinds of things take off because it, I, I love the way that it nourishes the group, right? Like number one, these guys, yeah. Can the guys who have the knowledge can teach the guys who want to learn can, can show up and, and, and be part of it. And, and I think, uh, so I just, I, I really appreciate you, uh, taking the initiative to, to set it up, man. And it's, it's, uh, it's great to hear from you. So thanks for being here, man. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Yeah. If you want to Get involved with what he's doing. It's Shaolin.ai. If you have a project like this that uh, that you want to come build in the group, we definitely have the lawyers and the accountants and the technical and basically any any expertise that you want to start a business. We've got the guys in here, and and many of them are looking for uh, projects to attack, all uh, right. So, but you can but you can learn about all that at uh, at exitgroup.us and uh, come check us out.